Make a wish on today's episode of the John Campion <laughs> Show. <laughs> Inside joke. On the John Campion Show podcast, we're talking about Dave Batista. Remember how we thought he was kind of maybe done with superhero movies? No, he's coming out and saying, no, I'm ready to do more superhero movies. We're going to discuss that. Also, that Harry Potter TV series they said they're going to do, it's right on track, and they're saying it's going to debut now in 2026. Are audiences ready and wanting to see it? Also, the original director for the original Crow movie has just come out, you know, without any provocation and just decided to bash all over the new images that have come out for the new Crow movie. Also, and by the way, he's also the director of, you know, Gods of Egypt. Just throwing that out there. Uh, also, Deadpool and Wolverine. We officially now know who the villain is. We're going to talk about that and a few things more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast, coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you, our international friends, gather around and talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some background and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different than ours. Uh, joining me in studio, I got Ray Ora. Hello. We got Jonathan Voico. I just made a wish. <laughs> Chris Carr is here. I won't be able to know since I can't smell. <laughs> and of course, most importantly... You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making today's show a part of your day. And here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics I listed off. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, Jonathan already jumped in the community tab to ask our beloved channel members to fire in their thoughts and questions. But also for all of you guys who are watching live, and you got to be watching live, if you got a thought, theory, question, opinion, observation you want to send in for us to address, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature in the live chat. They are currently open, uh, but I don't imagine they're going to be open for much longer because they are filling up very quickly. Uh, all right. Also, a little bit of a, a programming note. For those of you who are one of our beloved YouTube channel members, thank you for being a channel member. Uh, we have a town hall meeting today uh, with me and you guys at 2 p.m. Los Angeles time. That'll be about an hour, 45 minutes after today's John Campus show ends. So if you are a YouTube channel member, I hope you will come by and join us for that. All right, guys. With that all down, let's get things going here. Oh, by the way, it's Dune Day. Dune Day. Dune out publicly today. Dune 2 is now, of course, they did the, the advanced fan screenings last weekend, but it's out publicly today. I'm going uh, three. I think the best movie of the last five years uh, comes out in public today. I cannot wait to go watch it again. Anna and I are going to go see it at 4 o'clock today. Jonathan, I know you're seeing it at 3 o'clock today. Yep. Chris, you've already seen it four or five times? I'm going to go see Driveway Dolls at nice. 7.30. <laughs> I want to see that. I'm really excited about yeah, it. I still it haven't gotten great. around to seeing it. it I want to see it. Hmm? It starts with a D. It starts with a D. It starts and it's with a, a D. It's an hour and a half, Ray. Yep. And I, you mm. know, I, I dropped that. They must that drive in, fast. I dropped they that exclusive behind-the-scenes Dune footage yesterday. Oh, my God. Was it all bucket footage? <laughs> go ahead. Did you put it online? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> oh, my God. We got to see if we can find it. Oh, no. uh, anyway, let's get things going here, shall we? And we're going to start off with this. Now, of course, Dave Batista. Uh, 
you know, kind of really came on. I mean, he was making his transition from being a professional wrestler, and he was a great professional wrestler, to actor in some smaller stuff. I mean, one of the first kind of bigger roles he got, I guess, was in Eli Roth and Riz's Man with the Iron Fists, which uh, I thought I did a fine little job in that at. But he really got his big breakthrough when James Gunn cast him to be Drax the Destroyer. Now, he has gone on to build himself quite a little career, actually, um, since that time, but he's been most known as Drax the Short. Now, of course, then there was the whole, you know, uh, nasty stuff that went on over Disney when they fired James Gunn and Dave Bautista, who was very tight with James Gunn, got very upset and started publicly blasting Disney and all that kind of stuff. And he's now done as Drax. He said, I'm done. But make no mistake, he ain't done playing superhero movies. As he was just talking in a recent interview that he is absolutely not done playing in superhero movies. This comes to us from Variety where he said this. When I said that I was done, I was really just done with my journey as Drax, Batista said. I still have a relationship with Marvel. I see Kevin Feige, uh, I've seen Kevin Feige again and Luis D'Esposito as recently as two weeks ago. And they know that I would be up for a role. I love the universe, the superhero universe. I love it. I'm a fan. So Marvel or DC, if they call, I would answer the phone. And if the role makes sense, I'd be all over it. I would just like the opportunity to do a bigger role, a different role, he continued, maybe a deeper role. I'd love to have the opportunity to play like an ominous villain in a superhero universe. I'm not done with it, but my journey with Drax is over. All right. So I think, first of all, there's going to be some people, I've heard some people kind of sour on what he said, saying like, why aren't you grateful for Drax? Like, why are you saying your, your journey as Drax is over? He's done it for years playing Drax. He played Drax many, many times. And really, there was nowhere left for the Drax character to go. So, I mean, if they were going to do another one and he was playing it, I'd be super thrilled. But I'm totally good with him saying, you know what? I've done my journey as Drax. I'm good. But this dude is built to be in superhero movies. I just like, not, and I'm just talking about his physical presence. I feel like he's built. And by the way, you know, when he started acting, you know, we started asking, but could he be the next rock? Nah, he can be the next rock or all that kind of stuff. But listen, in just the last couple of years, since 2021, he has amassed an acting resume that a lot of seasoned Hollywood veterans would be envious of. He's quietly amassed quite a good line. Check it this out. In 2021, he starred in Army of the Dead, which I thought was a fun little zombie film that he did with Zack Snyder. <laughs> Pardon me. Then, of course, in 2021, he did the first Dune movie. He wasn't a big role. It was small, but still he appeared in Thor, Love and Thunder. Then he did one of the best, one of the best films of 2022 in Glass Onion, and I thought he was wonderful in it. Then I didn't love 2023's Knock at the Cabin, but he was quite good in it. Then, of course, he did a big smash $800 million plus hit with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in his last outing as, uh, as Drax. And then, of course, this week, he appears again in maybe the best movie of the last five years, Dune Part 2. Now, I am not saying that Dave Bautista is Robert De Niro, okay? <laughs> but I'm just saying, ever since James Gunn discovered, really kind of discovered him and put him on the big stage, and working with a director like James Gunn, when Dave Bautista himself would tell you, I'm not the strongest actor in the world. I'm just really grateful to be here, which is one of the reasons I respect him so much. But working with a director like James Gunn, who brought him onto the big stage, 
never put him in a position that would expose his weaknesses as a thespian, but highlighted his strengths, and then being totally committed to trying to get better and better and better as an actor. Again, do I think he's Robert De Niro? No. But as he turned himself from a gimmick former wrestler in something like Man with the Iron Fists into a performer that you as a producer could legitimately pick up and put in one of your movies, he absolutely has. And apparently people like working with him. Now, we won't talk about Stuber or uh, Who's the Girl I'm Babysitting or whatever that little <laughs> movie he did was. Those were awful. And by the way, Stuber kind of proved he wasn't quite ready yet at that time to be a leading guy. But he has done nothing but work, 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 try to improve himself and improve and improve and improve. And he's made himself a legitimate, forget the former wrestler part now. He's a legitimate actor in this business. And I'm super happy for him about this. And I would love to see now, Chris, obviously, I think the odds are since he's been Drax for so long in the MCU for so long, he clearly loves working with James Gunn. He clearly wants to be in James Gunn's DC universe. Yeah. He was saying he wanted to be Bane, which I don't, I think James shot that down, but you know, James loves Dave at the same time. Mm -hmm. I would put my money on seeing that we'll see him in the DC universe at some point. Anyway, what do you make about his comments and where could you see him ending up at some point? First of all, I think it's also a wrestler kind of rite of passage that you have to do some kind of babysitter movie. Yeah. You just have yeah. to. Everyone's got their tooth fairy, yep. tooth fairy, suburban commando, uh, my spy, the game plan, those kind of things. You just plan. have to do one of those. <laughs> game Isn't that plan. Hogan, suburban commando. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. And he was also, um, was didn't he do a Mr. Nanny or something like that? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I oh, think he did. Yeah. Was that a Hogan yeah. one? Where he was like in, the, I, I, I swore he was like in a ballerina costume. There's a bunch well, are you thinking of the rock in the tooth? That was, yeah, no, that no, was no, no, no. I think that's... Hogan was in some sort of oh, yeah, because yeah, he was like, babysitting. Put a wrestler right. in a tutu. I mean, but that's that just might have been some wrestlers, right? Yeah, that you might just, have been, yeah, it you was have to do that. Yeah, you absolutely have to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad he put this statement out there because I remember when he was talking about how he was done with Drax and it kind of became this he's not going to do superhero movies anymore. This is also where the internet really lacks nuance, and it's a bummer. <laughs> It's that, so you're saying you'll never show up in a comic book property? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the journey with this character is done for right now. I also don't see how people have thought that he's been ungrateful with this. He's talked about how much he loves this role, but he wants to make sure that he's telling stories that make sense for the character and not bleed it dry, you know? And also the Guardians are reinventing themselves and having a new team up, which is what the comics do all the time. We knew he was going to work with James again. Oh, we yeah. just knew that. And James Gunn, Loves working with his buddies over and over and over again. So it's only a matter of time until we see Bautista in the DC universe. And I love that he still is open to Marvel too. It is one of those things also as an actor of, oh yeah, if Marvel calls, any of us would pick up the phone. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. There's Glenn Close is in a Marvel movie. Yeah. This is Marvel movie. Because, you know, actors also need money so that they can keep doing independent artsy films and stuff I like mean, that. I mean, if they called for you, I'd still be like, Hi, I'm available too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, no, but we want Chris. I'm like, but I'm on the phone. But also, so. yeah. But what a, do you know my friend Jonathan? We should all be in this movie. It makes sense. I love that he's going to do this. And, and he really has built up a fabulous resume in the past few years. And he's taken his craft seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He's really talked about how he's wanted to get better, how he's constantly taking acting classes and training. And I think also in a world where we have so many quick little actor sound bites that are a little kind of pithy 
of, I just memorize my lines in the acting chair or, or in the makeup chair. Uh, you know, I kind of keep it loosey goosey. I really don't do much prep. Whatever your journey is as an actor, that's fine. But it's always refreshing when you see somebody who says, no, I have to work so hard to be good at this and I want to earn this. And I think it's something really lovely to see and aspire to. And I can't wait to see more of him in comic book movies. He fits the brief so well. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about Dave Bautista's comments? I would love to see him pop up. And I mean, again, I don't think he's going to end up being, you know, Bane in the DC universe, but I would love to see whatever James Gunn would put him in, in there. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Uh, Warner Brothers made some waves a little while ago when they announced that they were going to bring a Harry Potter television series that was essentially going to be a reboot of the movies and that each season would be one of the books, which to some people was actually very exciting because, you know, even the diehard, what do they call them, Potterheads? Even the diehard Potterheads would say, hey, listen, the movies are great, but they missed a lot in the books. Like they, they had to cut a lot of the stuff in the books out to be able to fit it into one movie. And so there are some people out there who are pretty excited about the idea that they'll stretch it into an entire season, whether that's going to be seven episodes, eight episodes, 10 episodes, We'll have to wait and see. But we haven't heard a lot about it since. And there have even been some whispers in corners online uh, saying that they've kind of scrapped the idea. Well, Warner Brothers has put that to rest because not only is it moving full speed ahead, they've got a release window for it in 2026. This comes to us from Variety who wrote the following. The first installment of the Harry Potter TV series is targeted to hit the Mac streaming service in 2026. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav said on the company's Q4 earnings call on Friday. The series is expected to span seven seasons, um, adapting each book in J.K. Rowling's best-selling fantasy book series. So they've just said, oh yeah, you may not have heard anything for a while, but this is still going on and we've got a timeline and we know when this thing's coming out. And they're still sticking to the plan of doing one season for every seven books. Now, there is some folly in announcing seven seasons when you haven't even made the first season yet. Mm. We all, of course, remember the nightmare situation that happened with Universal when they announced their sprawling monster universe. We're going to have Javier Bardem and Tom Cruise and Johnny Depp and Russell Crowe. And then we're going to do all these. We got all these movies. Look at all these movies we got coming. And then they put out their first movie and it flopped. I still don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. The Mummy wasn't good, though. And they got humiliated because they're talking about all these films are going to do. As Mike Tyson once famously said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And Universal got punched in the mouth. And then remember the guy who's uh, the guy who was in charge of the Power Rangers series when they had the latest one come out a while ago. Mm-hmm. They said we got to plan. We have an eight movie plan. Woo! We're gonna do. I think it was eight. It might have even been more than it. it might have been like ten or something like that. We're gonna blah blah blah. Trilogies are so passe. You have to have three trilogies. You have yeah. three trilogies. So they made uh, you know the first one, and nobody went to go see it, and that was that. So I, look, I don't mind them saying we got a plan for seven seasons. We're going to do one season per book. That's fine. And just as long as they understand that it may not go that far. The question, though, becomes Harry Potter has been around for a very long time. And I, we're not going to go into it here. But obviously, there's some controversy surrounding the, the creator, the writer of the, the original books, J.K. Rowling, and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's an older series now. I mean, these three kids, they could have grandkids at this point biologically speaking. They get around. They get around. They get around. 
I hear that Rupert Gint is pretty uh, prolific. So, I mean, it's been around for a while. So the question, a fair question is, is the is there even an audience there that wants to see more Harry Potter? A lot of people have said no. But then something funny happened. And I'm no Potterhead, but HBO Max did that anniversary special. Yeah. And I'm not even a big Harry Potter fan. And I nearly wept watching that thing. And the number of people around the world who watched that was crazy. Then they put out this little video game, this Hogwarts video game. And a lot of people said, no one's going to buy it. No one's going to buy it. No one's going to buy it. Smashed all kinds of sales records. Anne loves that game. She, she, uh, she hasn't played in a bit, though, but she's, she loves that game. And you know what? It all comes down to quality, I think, here. If they put together something really good, which HBO and Max often do, if they put together something really good, I don't see why this couldn't be a big hit for them. Now, is it going to revive the the heyday of the massive global phenomenon of Harry Potter? Maybe not, but I think this could be still a pretty big hit for them. Anyway, Chris, we hear that they're still barreling towards 2026 to launch the first season of this. Is this the right move, a ser- a, like a, a television series as opposed to movies? Is expanding more on the books a good idea? Is the audience even going to be there for it? How do you see this? I do think the audience will be there. I mean, last year, I think, was the 25th anniversary of the third book coming out, which was wildly popular. This is still merchandise-wise a multi-million dollar industry of creating Harry Potter merchandise. Um, and that, that reunion really did get a ton of viewers in there. There are yeah. definitely people who are still, you know, torn on how to tune into stuff or anything. Um, And you can do whatever you like, but obviously there is an audience for this stuff. I mean, every time I go to Universal, Harry Potter World is still mobbed, even though Nintendo's open. Anne and I were just there a couple of weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. I I remember saying something similar to Anne. Like, the Harry Potter World, uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios, it's been there for years now, years. And it is still... Packed, and the the moment you walk into Universal at all, you see tons of people yeah. in their Hogwarts robes and stuff like yeah. that. It's crazy. I people still, are buying I, those wands. I still love that I can see Hogwarts Castle from like basically my house in Burbank. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's like right up oh, there. It's real. That, it's, that's all real. It's really Hogwarts cool driving. Yeah, when you're doing that 101 <laughs> yeah. with the 170, and you see the Eye of Mignon. Yeah, um, it's nice to see the castle. It's really really special. The light show is beautiful. Half oh, the time, awesome. I. This is just very telling about my personality and my substance issues. I go to Harry Potter World all the time to have a cider and work. Nice. <laughs> I have a bartender who knows me by name there. That's so funny. Shout they have Nira. Wi-Fi there? They have Wi-Fi there. Yeah. And so I'll just sometimes go because I like the atmosphere yeah. and I like people watching it's there. Great it's atmosphere. super, super fun. You must have a season pass. I do have a season okay. pass. That's say, why, yeah. I'm not. No. <laughs> an expensive work day. No, no, no. I'm doing that, that 115 a year flex pass. Right. It is the best. I highly recommend. So there's obviously an audience for Harry Harry Potter and that world, because it's a world that we like being in. That being said, things like Fantastic Beasts, we saw the box off decline and decline and decline on those, right? And a part of that, I feel, is because so many people associate the wizarding world with Harry Potter. Now, what's going to be interesting is seeing if we still associate Harry Potter specifically with our OG trio, if it is Daniel Radcliffe, if it is Emma Watson, if it is Rupert Grint that we really associate those characters with, or if these new kids can win over people, especially with a yeah. new audience with books that have been out for almost three decades. Yeah. I think there's a lot of potential here. I think HBO, too, has the money to make this be an excellent, excellent show. 
um, quality writers, quality practical effects, all kinds of good things there, special effects. And I think being able to expand on these books is going to be really interesting. You know, there's a whole subsection of the book where Hermione is constantly working to liberate the house elves. And that's the kind of stuff that you can't fit into an hour and a half film. Right. But it's interesting to put into a series and have that as an a B plot line or something like I that. I also right? think Malfoy needs to have a better character arc than what they um, cut out. That's true. You know? they Not really to give away a, a very old franchise, but spoilers. But he definitely has a better character arc there that the, they the don't book, show. Yeah. So, For yeah. sure. There's they'll a have a lot so more room to breathe. Them. Yeah. They'll have a lot more room to breathe with Absolutely. that with the series. So I think there's a ton of potential here. And I do think, especially because more people, I think, are coming out in, in support of this kind of stuff, is even if you do have a problem with, with any of the politics around these books or anything, you can love this franchise. You can love it. And that doesn't make you bad or anything. You can just love stuff because it connects with you. Because so many people, I feel like, connected with Harry Potter because you want to be that kid. We love these chosen kid storylines like Percy Jackson, like this, because... Especially if we're having a hard time when we're younger and we don't feel like we fit in, we hope we get that letter from Hogwarts that lets us know, hey, you're not weird. You're different in a super special way that the universe needs. So come to Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I would never bet against HBO series coming out, especially with a big property like this. I think they're going to do it right. I think this is going to be bigger than what we think it would be. Yeah, It, it very well could be. You know, two things, though, I, I, I want to mention here. You know, you brought up this great thing about the Fantastic Beast series. I didn't mind the fan. There was one of them I really quite liked, and the mm -hmm. other two I didn't mind. You know, whatever. But here's the thing to me, and I say this as a non-Potterhead, mm -hmm. but when I watched them, they never felt like Harry Potter. Mm. Like they they just didn't feel like Harry Potter. But when Anne loaded up uh, Hogwarts, the game. Oh, okay. And I sat and watched it. What's what's it called again? Hogwarts Legacy? No, Hogwarts Legacy. It yeah. is when I sat down. Um, you know, ball of popcorn in my own laptop and as Anne's playing the game and watching her playing the game, it felt like I was in the world of Harry Potter again. I never felt that. Even though I liked a couple of the Fantastic Beasts movies, I never felt that with those movies. But in that Hogwarts game, I felt like you're home, like you're back. I want to mention this one other thing. I think the absolute smartest thing they can do, because Chris, you brought up a great point about the new kids they're going to have to get. I think 100% the absolute smartest thing they could do. They don't have to do it, but it'd be a missed opportunity if they don't. Even if it's just symbolically, involve Emma Watson in the search for the new Hermione. Involve Ooh. Rupert Gint in the search for the new Ron. Hmm. Involve Daniel Radcliffe in the search for the new Harry. Because if if just by doing that, even if it's just symbolic, saying, even if it's when it's like down to the final five, just bring in Daniel to look at the audition tapes. So you can say to the audience, we actually got the original trio in to help us, get to give input to us about who the next Harry, Hermione, and Ron should be. I think that would go over huge with the fans. Doctor Who actually always tends to do something like that. Where the previous doctor is passing the baton on to the next and those folks because there's such a limited amount of people who have played the doctor it's a oh yeah i got to call david oh yeah i got to call matt and i got to get their input on things i should know about taking on a role so iconic and they gave me this advice and they passed this on and then you hear from the past direct uh doctor of oh yeah we're so excited because you know jody's going to be doing this or uh peter's going to be doing this and they're going to change this up in such a cool way that we're so excited about and it kind of helps all those fans who cling to somebody move forward. 
Mm. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? They're barreling forward into 2026 with expanded stories of Harry Potter, a season per book, and it looks like they've got their timeline. Do you think the audience is going to be there for it? However you guys feel about that, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we still got to talk about the original Crow director without any provocation coming out and bashing on the new Crow movie that's coming out. Also, Deadpool and Wolverine, we got confirmation on who the villain's going to be. But before we get to those things, we're going to take a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. I've told you guys many times that after switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my cell bill than I used to with a major carrier. Say goodbye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All Mint plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And don't worry about having to change phones or numbers. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash that's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. All right, with that down, guys, let's move on to this. They could write songs about the long, complicated, twisty road that it's been to get a new crow remake to the big screen. Of course, they've had about four or five different directors attached, three or four different sets of writers, and no less than four or five actors who have been attached to be the new Crow, including Jason Momoa, Tom Hiddleston, Luke Evans, uh, Jack Houston. Uh, who was the other one? There was another one. Oh, yeah, I already said Tom Hiddleston. Anyway, there were like four or five of them, all attached to be it, all fell away. But now we got Bill Skarsgård. The movie's coming out in a few months. And, of course, yesterday we talked about this on the show. They released the first picture of Bill Skarsgård mm-hmm. uh, as the character in The Crow. Now, if oh. you guys remember, I didn't love the picture, but it's just a picture. You know, wait till we see it in context. Wait till we see it in motion. But I said on the show yesterday, yeah, it's not really doing it for me, but maybe I'll change my mind once we see it more in context. I do feel, though, that if the original Crow had never been made and was being made today for the first time in today's context, whatever, I don't think this picture is terribly far off from what it would have looked like if this was the original Crow happening today. Again, I didn't really like it, but we'll see what happens once we see it in motion. Well, the director of the original Crow film, Alex Proyas, who I think did a pretty decent job with that iRobot movie he did with Will Smith, Uh, Not great, but I thought he did a pretty decent job with that. He's also the director of Gods of Egypt, one of the worst films ever made in cinematic history. He then went on to blame, if I remember correctly, went on to blame critics and audiences for just not getting his genius. Um, But he decided, without provocation, 
to jump on social media and just bash on this new film based on a still image. Um, This comes from the folks over at Joe Blow who wrote the following. Sharing one of the images, Alex Proyas said, Eric Draven's having a bad hair day. Next reboot, thanks. In the comments, he continued to mock the look. I guess he's supposed to be a bad mofo with all those tats and werewolves and skulls on his jacket. Crying laughing emoji. Samuel Adams, Jesus, he could at least drink something more badass. Crying laughing emoji. Well, at least the stills gave me a good laugh. I thought they were going to take a dump on Brandon Lee's legacy for a moment. (laughs) Okay. Alex Proyas is a classless piece of garbage. And I happen to agree with him on the look of, (laughs) kind of on the look of the picture, right? But you're the director of the original film and you whining little baby that nobody takes you seriously anymore. So I'm going to try to tear down anything else somebody tries to do now. And this, this is the thing. I often give more leeway to like somebody, if they're like being interviewed about something and a, and a interviewer hits them with a question and then they got to answer. And you know, I, if you're a director and somebody brings up a question about another director, try to be classy about it. Right? Like if somebody, like if an interviewer said, hey, Alex, you know, they're making the new reboot and new pictures come out. You know, what do you think? Don't lie, but say, you know, uh, uh, right now the image isn't sitting with me the right way. It's not hitting me the right way, but I wish them the best of luck and I hopefully it turns out to be great. Right? Not lying, being honest, but also kind of being at least having a monochrome of class. Like a, just the smallest, smallest microscopic ounce of class. He's literally old man screaming at the clouds. Yeah, here. yeah, that's what he is now. He is the old <laughs> man standing out on the lawn screaming at the clouds. That's what Alex Perez is now. I, I, I honestly thought this was dirtbag. This was an absolute dirtbag move on his part. Because now you've got all these other creatives and people who, by the way, we have not seen five seconds of footage from this movie. And it might suck. I'm not going to lie to you. I personally am kind of expecting it to suck. But, you know... He is a director in this field and to then call it the work of another director that he hasn't even seen yet and just start bashing on it. And Jonathan raised a good point prior to us going on air, which is basically like, hey, if there were fans of the original that were on the fence about whether or not to get behind this new movie. Oh, well, he just wanted to come out and make sure. Hate, hate it. Hate it, everybody. Hate it. I, I just I've said this for years. This has always been a thing of mine. I don't believe actors should be bashing on other actors. I don't think directors should be bashing on other directors. If you're asked about it, be honest, but try to be classy about it. When you're, He just decided to jump on social media and try to turn people against this movie. I don't know that anybody in this business is ever going to want to work with him again. Not that anybody does want to work with him anymore anyway. He does have a couple of small projects coming out that, but I don't think I don't think are major. I, I could be wrong about that, but I think he's got this one based on something that he wrote himself. But I don't know why anybody would want to work with him at this. I, I just and listen, I I have yeah yes he did Gods of Egypt, which is one of the worst films ever made in history. But he's also made a couple of movies I've enjoyed, and I would really like to see him continue making films, and I would like to see more work from him in the future. Because you know what, even when he sucks, he kind of swings big. He swings for big concepts, and I appreciate that and I respect that. So even if you make a movie like Gods of Egypt that completely sucks. You tried something that a lot of filmmakers wouldn't have had the guts to try, and I can respect that and look forward to it. But man, I think this was absolutely 
trailer park trash classless. I think this dude's a punk. Uh, I have no interest in ever hearing his name again. Just to turn on and start trashing all these other people who are working on something that are in the same field as him. And he should appreciate how hard it is to try to bring a movie to the big screen, that it might be hard. And listen again, if you watch it and you didn't like it and somebody asks you about it later, say, you know what? It didn't work for me. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I applaud that they gave it a swing and, and tried it. You know, I, I don't think it worked out the way it could have worked out, but okay. But this is different. This is just deciding to be an asshole. And yeah, I'll, I'll be perfectly happy if we never have to say this jerk off's name again on this show. Anyway, Chris, you and I have not talked about this no. yet at all. For all I know, you have a completely different feeling on this. What do you think? No, I don't. This is giving, you know, when you go into the comment section and there's a troll who calls people soy boy. Like it's giving that energy of someone who's like, I know what masculine is and it's not this, which is just silly. I don't know. I just don't understand why. And certainly I've seen things like I'm not perfect. I've seen things and had a knee jerk reaction to them. I don't know why you would just talk about somebody like entering the fold of your franchise, though, and be that dismissive. Yeah. Unprovoked. You know what? Because um, you come across as an insecure, fragile little piece of glass. Yeah. It's like, oh no, if people like the new one, and listen, I don't think this new one's going to be any good, but he's acting like, oh no, if people like the new one, that looks bad on me. You fucking baby. Yeah. Oh. And I mean, the original Crow, and I've not seen a lot of this franchise. I will put that out there. Oh, but you're not even is, a real fan. Why are we talking to I'm not to even you? a real fan. Why would anyone? <laughs> Someone the other day was like, she hasn't even seen this movie. Why is she talking? I was like, I don't pick the topics of the news, my friend. <laughs> like, they just happen. The news so, comes out. It I is haven't what seen it is. the pantheon of human films. Have you? I, I should. I really should get on that. But, you know, this is a, a very kitschy, cult classic kind of franchise, too. And I just feel like if someone's going to try a new take on it, maybe we wait to, till a trailer or something yeah. to really have some thoughts on it as opposed to just some still images. Um, I mean, again, knee-jerk reaction. I've had that. When we saw Timothy Chalamet as Wonka and everyone started passing around that meme of him versus Gonzo from Muppet Christmas Carol saying stole his entire fit. Like, I loved that shit. I loved that. Yeah, but you're not, but I'm a, director, not a director, right? Yeah. It's fair for fans to, to have whatever reaction we want at any level. I mean, they're still more classy and not so classy, right? But we're, yeah. we're free to do that. But I just don't think actors should be unprovokedly bashing the work of other actors or that directors should be un, unprovokedly be bashing the work of other directors. Exactly. I, you know as a filmmaker how hard it is to make a film is part of it. And obviously everyone is still he knows. Till <laughs> He very much knows. <laughs> he knows. It's... He, <laughs> You're still entitled to your own opinions, thoughts, and feelings and everything, but there is a better way to do things sometimes. And, I don't know, talking shit about Sam Adams just seems like we're really, <laughs> we're really stretching. Like, eh, if he was a real man, he'd be drinking some Black Crow whiskey. Yeah. Be on brand. Not soy beer. Yeah. He'd be drinking absolute coors. He'd be drinking werewolf killers. Soy, silver bullets. Soy tears. Like, yeah. It's, it, they just seem like odd critiques. I'd rather have critiques about the actual project. Oh. Yeah. And I, I just, again, I don't want him to lie. Have some class. Just have a, just a little bit of class. Uh, anyway. And again, I say this is somebody who I got no skin in this game. I don't give two craps about this new movie. I really don't. I hope it's good. I mean, I hope every movie I see is good, but uh, anyway, there's that. Guys, what do you think about it? Whatever your thoughts are, I'm sure some of you are going to be vehemently disagree with me. Perfectly fine. Go ahead and jump down in the comments and let us know your 
thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Deadpool and Wolverine. I cannot wait. It is my most anticipated movie of the year. Yes, it was even just a little bit more anticipated than Dune 2. It'll never be as good as Dune 2, but I am more excited for this movie probably than any other film this year. And I love that. that yeah. uh, From Hugh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Jackman put that up on his social media. I love that. <laughs> but there have been still a lot of questions. We've had a first teaser trailer that didn't really give us a lot. It gave us a little bit, but really it's just a teaser, not a lot of information. Like, who ultimately is the big bad guy in this? Are there going to be multiples? We know Emma Corrin is in it, but we don't really know who she's going to be. There were some theories about that mysterious bald head from behind that some people had that maybe that's Charles Xavier or maybe it's Charles Xavier's sister. Well, it turns out that's exactly who it is. Now, this comes from the folks over at IGN who wrote the following. Emma Corrin's mystery villain in Deadpool and Wolverine, known as Deadpool 3 until recently, is confirmed to be the evil twin sister of X-Men leader Charles Xavier or Professor X. Spotted by Culture Crave, Deadpool and Wolverine's official copyright has listed Corrin's name against Cassandra Nova, a formidable X-Men villain who, of course, has a particular grudge against her twin brother. Her twin brother, Charles, who, sensing her evil, tried to kill her in the womb. And, uh, oh yeah, she's powerful. She's really powerful. And how that's going to come into play here, I'm not sure. So, I, so Chris, this does confirm what a lot of people theorized, mm-hmm. that this was going to be Cassandra Nova. This is going to be an interesting thing because in a movie that I'm guessing is going to be filled with a lot of very recognizable cameos, they went for, let's be, let's be honest, a name nobody's ever heard of outside of very obscure villain, very obscure and a relatively new one in comic terms. Cause Cassandra Nova first made her first appearance in 2001. And it's a Grant Morrison character, which is why things are so just absolutely bonkers. Cause if you've not read Grant Morrison's work, that is an Irishman who has some deep, deep, issues. He has some (laughs) spooky thoughts that I love. Uh, His stuff is always so, so weird. And uh, Cassandra Nova is this thing, uh, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing it, y'all, because I've only seen it, uh, a momadry, where it is a a being that does not have a corporeal form that can slowly build She's kind of like Sauron in the yeah. first couple Lord of the Rings films. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, there's this idea of everyone has their own momadry, and this is just kind of that personification of this evil that we face. And, oh, it's weird. It's weird stuff. It's going to be cool. It's, it's also going to be interesting to see how this is going to play into the multiversal aspect of the whole thing as well. Um, man, I, I, oh gosh, I'll tell you what, I cannot name names right now, but I just got given a list of cameos that we should expect Ooh, in Deadpool. That's fun. And, yeah. And I want, here's the thing, if I was, if I was working for one of the websites, they would, they would write and print this right away. But if I even mention one, I'll, I'll People say I'm spoiling it, even though other news sites would probably run with this. But there's going to be a lot of cameos. There's going to be a lot of cameos. Some very big name, popular, famous character cameos are going to pop up in this thing. And they went, I thought it was just very interesting. They decided to go with this character. But when you understand like the whole nature of the setting of the movie, this could be the perfect character for them to choose to do it. That's very true. Although I I don't know, do you still have that picture, Jonathan, of the back of Cassandra's head? I don't know if you yeah I have if you got I, that. Let me grab it. I I don't know if anybody else agrees with me on this, 
But whenever I see this picture, uh, that's a still from the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer. When we get the back of the head of the character that we now know is Cassandra Nova. And do we have that? Yeah, right here. All right. Whenever we see it, tell me, tell me if I'm the only one that thought this. Tom Hardy from that Star Trek movie when he was the young, the Nemesis. clone of the younger Picard. Oh, Nemesis. Yeah. That was it. When I see that, that's all I see in my head is Tom Hardy as young Jean, as a young Jean-Luc Picard clone in Nemesis. My he looks like he's got the Romulan <laughs> ears. The shape of the head is right. I mean, that's that's all I can see. My first knee Shins jerk was on. that right. it was Tilda Swinton. I thought, it was, I thought it was yes as the ancient one. And then I went, oh wait, no, the other character makes more sense. Also, sorry, Grant Morrison is Scottish. I screwed that up. I lost all credibility. How dare I? <laughs> oh man, why are you even I? talking? I don't know. It's like this show is live, and sometimes I get my facts messed up. Sheesh. Uh, listen, this opens up a lot of doors in a lot of different directions they can go. I don't know how Deadpool fights a Cassandra Nova. Unless there are other characters who come into the movie as well. I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought it was fascinating. We now got our villain for it. And listen, by the way, maybe there will be other villains as well. We'll have to wait and see. Question is for you guys. What do you think about it? Many of you had the theory that that character was Cassandra Nova, and you were right. There she is. Do you like this kind of choice? Is it weird to you that they're not going with a bigger-named villain sort of thing? Or do you think it's a great idea that they're digging a little bit deeper into the pantheon that they have? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, it's time for us to get to the most important part of our show, which is hearing from you guys. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank another sponsor of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at The Perfect Gene. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, The Perfect Gene. Guys, are you tired of the rough and rigid jeans crushing your boys? Well, today's sponsor, The Perfect Gene, finally solved all of your denim difficulties. They make great looking, perfect fitting jeans that are as comfortable as sweatpants. The secret a special denim fabric that is super soft and has the perfect amount of stretch so you can squat, do yoga, or just sit around all day without ever having to take them off. I'm going to admit I was a little bit skeptical because to me, jeans have always been jeans. They're practical, but not always the most comfortable. But I'm telling you guys, it's not an exaggeration. Once I put on these jeans, the perfect jean redefined what jeans can be to me. They're the perfect fit. They stretch, they breathe, and again, they're just insanely comfortable. So guys, it's finally time to stop crushing your balls in uncomfortable jeans jeans by going to theperfectgene.nyc slash campia15. Our listeners get 15% off your first order plus free shipping, free returns and free exchanges when you use code campia15 at checkout. Again, that's 15% off for new customers at theperfectgene.nyc slash campia15 and use the code campia15. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support the John Campus Show and tell them we sent you. And thank you to our friends at The Perfect Gene for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to your questions here, shall we? Chris, what do we got up first? Uh, Damaris there at the top. From Damaris Love, with the new Harry Potter series coming in 2026, how much effort will WB put in its production? Hopefully as good as they do for The Last of Us? Listen, that's the thing about HBO and Max and all that kind of stuff. While they don't always hit a grand slam, they crank out quality at a higher rate than almost everybody else does. Apple is starting to challenge that, but I mean, they're still the gold standard when it comes to this stuff. So I have no doubt they're going to put a lot. And listen, remember David Zaslav himself said when they took over, he said, look, we need to prioritize 
our DC stuff. We need to recreate and and shore up the DC stuff. And he mentioned that the Harry Potter is a big priority to them. So I expect them to put full effort into this. Whether the results will be good or bad, we'll have to wait and see. But I do expect them to pretty much put everything behind it that they got. All right, what's next? From Jim Seeley, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Jim. Dune 2's runtime of two hours, 46 minutes will limit its opening weekend earning potential since it won't be able to have as many showings per day compared to Bob Marley, One Love, which is exactly one hour shorter. Not really. See, here's the thing. You are right that when you, once you get a movie that starts breaking the two and a half hour mark, you get into 245, three hours, there are going to be some limitations then placed on how many screenings per day a theater can host for it. Pardon me. But that only really applies if all the screenings are sold out. Because if there's still 150 seats available, it doesn't matter if you put in another screening or not. It's like people, it's like, oh, I was going to go see it, but there's not enough show times and everything sold out. But if everything's not sold out, then it's not actually going to affect it that much. With a small exception to that of people who are only willing to go see it if it's in IMAX. And the IMAX screens are sold out. So there's a little bit. But like, again, in my theater, the uh, Tyler Gallery, the AMC Tyler Galleria, there are 16 theaters in there. Only one of them is an IMAX. At the AMC Burbank 16, 16 theaters in there. Only one of them is an IMAX. At Universal, they got like 14 theaters in there. Only one of them is an IMAX. So it's... Not going to have that big of an impact there, although maybe a little bit of one. And for everything to be sold out, we'd have to be talking about a movie that is look targeting the 200 million plus opening weekend. And while Dune 2 deserves that kind of an opening weekend, it ain't going to have that kind of opening weekend. So really, I think the effect on the box office is going to be minimal because the existing screenings aren't all sold out save the IMAX screens. So, I, I yeah, if this was Endgame, that definitely had an impact because everything was sold out. But here, I don't think it's going to impact it all that much. At least I don't think it will. I hope it does, but I don't think it will. All right, what's next? From Aiden Foley, watch... Ooh. Sorry, sorry, I just sneezed. Watched Casino for the first time. Loved it. Oh, my God, Casino's so good. It's so good. I Like, Robert De Niro... Um, Sharon Stone, Joe Pesci, like one of my favorite scenes in any gangster type movie ever is when they catch the two guys, the two random guys in the casino cheating. I I love that scene that they drag them both into the back. It's like, oh, well, you know, what are you left-handed, right-handed? Oh, I'm left-handed. Okay. Hammer. Bang. It's like, ah, like, oh my God. That movie's so good. If you've never seen Casino, take, take their lead and, and go watch it because it's really, really good. All right, what's next? From Matt Boyle, The Last Samurai is an underrated movie and one of Tom Cruise's best performances. It's quite good. And Ken Watanabe, that's the movie for me that really put Ken Watanabe on the radar for me. I thought he was great in that. Um, it's also a, kind of a sad and depressing kind of movie in some ways. I don't know that I call it one of Tom Cruise's best performances, although he's definitely, definitely great in it. Um but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tragically underrated. And I think Shogun might motivate a lot of people to go and check out uh, The Last Samurai too. All right, what's next? From uh, Michael 
Are we doing that one? Michael Brocky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grant Gustin said if Gunn asked him to play Flash again, he would. I hope he. I hope personally he comes back as Jay Garrick like Wesley Ship and as his mentor. Nah. <laughs> Listen, I, I say this as somebody who really enjoyed for at least for at least five seasons, for at least five solid years, who really enjoyed that Flash TV show. But nobody watched it. Um, and while I thought Grant was great as a CW Flash, as a CW Barry, he was great. And I can't wait to see what Grant does. He's doing live Broadway shows now and all that kind of stuff. And Logan's I, mentor is in that production. Oh, really? Yeah, with yeah, he's in that. Water I, for Elephants. I can't wait to see where Grant Gustin's career goes. I really do. But... No, you, you don't bring him into the into DC as five. I mean, maybe bring him into something else. Maybe bring him in as a brand Let new character. Let him play a different character. Yeah, Let absolutely. In that case, yes, I'm all for it. But bring him in as Flash? No, I think that'd be a mistake on a lot of different levels. All right, what's next? From James Wheeler, sending in a $20 Super Chat. Thank, Thank you, James. James. Hello, everyone. Because I loved Shogun so much, I'm watching some Kurosawa again. Nice. I've already watched Ran. Ran. Next will be uh, Kagamusha and Throne of Blood. See, this is what I, we were just talking about this with The Last Samurai. I think this show is so good. And again, we're only two episodes in and might go south. Maybe it does. Maybe it starts stinking in the next episode. But so far, two episodes in with Shogun. It is so good. I think it's going to motivate people to look up other content that feels similar. Whether it's some Kurosawa, whether it's um, The Last Samurai, other types of content along those lines. I think it's that good that it'll motivate a lot of people to do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that it did that for you. Here's hoping that the show continues to operate on this level, man, because... I was disappointed when Obi-Wan fell off after the first episode, and I was really disappointed when She-Hulk fell off after the first episode, so I hope that doesn't happen here. Fingers crossed. All right, what's next? From Irene Jobson, happy hey. Leap Day, can't be a crew. Bring on the filthy, hashtag game day. That's right, February 29th. Uh, it was the day I was supposed to be years. born, according to my mother. Oh. I think I was, I was born a couple of days early, so I was actually supposed to be born on the 29th, but yes, it is that special day of the year. When Leap Day Williams rises from the Mariana Trench. I don't look, I'm not gonna call I'm not gonna it's name names. <laughs> I'm not gonna name names. Okay. In the last 48 hours, somebody asked me the question Do they have February 29th in Canada? Well, no, because technically it's yeah, too yeah. far north. <laughs> it's too far north. Do you guys have the 29th in Canada? What person asked that question? I am not going to say. Oh, why don't you reply to me? I've <laughs> <laughs> been waiting. Why don't you reply? <laughs> and for the record, it wasn't Ray. It wasn't Ray, but... Okay. But people would believe that. That's would, my problem. That's my problem. <laughs> if you said it, no, one, were like, would even, oh. no one would even come and question <laughs> yep, nobody me. Nobody would even blink. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, that, that tracks. No, no, somebody actually asked me, do you guys have February 29th in Canada? Just, hmm. Mm. Can I say something? Can you answer? You it? I mean, it's a yes, we have yeah. February 29th in Canada. Literally been saying things. Now that we cleared up that mystery, yeah. Did I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show earlier today. Listen, everybody knows I I am Canadian, right? Very no, no very proud Canadian. Hang on, I got to get myself back in my seat. Yeah, I gotta, yeah, what? And there are many things that I love about this country that we're in right now. 
in the United States. Many things I love about this country. Uh, a number of, uh, I mean, I think my country is the greatest country in the world, Canada, but there are things that drive me crazy about my own country. And there are certain things that drive me crazy about this particular country we're in right now. Uh, the fact that some people would even ask me if Canada has a February 29th would be on that list. But I, I got to, I can't remember if I told the story or not. My no. hospital stay. Did I mention this one? No, I've never heard it. You guys know I was in the hospital recently because I, I got super right, right, sick right, right. right after, after New Year's. I got super sick. Uh, so bad that Ray and uh, Ryan yep. came, grabbed me. Anne was out on the other side of the country at the time. Ray and Ryan came and grabbed me, took me to the hospital. I was there for five hours, maybe five and a half. Yeah, it felt like it. Turned yeah, but it felt like a long time. So I was in there for five hours. I, I could barely breathe. I was ha cough hacking every thirty seconds. It was it was becoming really painful. And I, I was turning green and all this kind of stuff. So they took me in. They gave me some oxygen, put me in a hospital bed, ran some tests, gave me some pills, did a CT scan on my chest. Okay. I was in there for five and a half hours. The bill showed up mm -hmm. last week. What's up? <laughs> the bill for my five and a half hours. Five times. Um, <laughs> does anybody, Ray, I think you know the answer to this, so you don't get to guess. Okay. Does anybody want to guess what the bill, now granted, my insurance did end up covering most of it, but does anybody want to guess how much my five and a half hour getting some oxygen, uh, being monitored for a few hours and then released? Anybody want to guess how much my, the bill was? I'll go 3,500. Chris is going 3,500. You're going to go 11? Just, yeah. Okay, not? I'm going to tell you both it's higher. Want to try again? 18. Higher than 18. Oh, my God. Anybody else? 27. Higher than 27. Oh, shit. Although you're getting closer. I want to price this right at uh, 29. Higher. Wait, wait, wait. 35. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. $35,000. Holy shit. They didn't take out my appendix. Mm -hmm. They didn't give me a full... Bodily fluids transfusion. $35,000. My bill after insurance ended up being about $3,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I had surgery. Yeah, I was on my like, foot. at first, I was like, this is after You had insurance? major yeah. surgery yeah. on yeah, your foot. I had surgery on my foot and it didn't even cost that much. I don't know what happened. Maybe you had a special discount. <laughs> so listen. anytime you go to the emergency room, it racks up though. Because with our insurance too, after all of Logan's tests, everything from his seizures, we owed nine grand, and that was after our insurance, which I'll say isn't great because I don't qualify for SAG insurance. Yay! But still, like healthcare in this country is insane. No, like I, like, I gotta say to my liberal friends, to my conservative friends, like I tell these stories to to my Canadian uh, brethren, and they're like, "What what kind of what kind of savages live down there? Where getting sick can ru literally ruin your life." I just think I'm so guys, listen, you I, as a Canadian and outsider, your healthcare system is fucking broken. It is broken. So anyway, I just uh, had a Do they have doctors in Canada? Do you have doctors in Canada? They just they just slap some maple yeah, syrup but they're on, all and they're off like on, you're on the twenty ninth. Doctors in Canada. All right. What's next? From the VR Mafia. What a great year for Sandworm sequels. Dune 2 <laughs> and Beetlejuice 2. Finally getting that Sandworm itch scratched. Wait, now what? all we need is more Tremors. 
Oh my God, I love Tremors so much. At Tremors least the is great. At least the original. The original one is fabulous. The second one, yeah, it's fine. Um, Although Kevin Bacon did like lament that he didn't do the sequel. Just because he, he kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. He, t- he said he, he said in hindsight he regretted that he didn't go back to it. it. But too. you look back at that like you had I forget the actor's name, but Remo Williams, Remo mm-hmm. Williams, The Adventure mm-hmm. Begins. He was kind of the partner of uh, Kevin Bacon in that. You had the dad from Family Ties, who was also one of the stars of the greatest bad movie ever made. Vanilla Ice is cool as ice. He's in that. Was he oh, yeah. the dad? Oh, oh yeah. No. He plays he the dad. <laughs> he plays the dad of the girl oh, Vanilla Ice was trying to hit up on, and a disapproving father. Um, yeah, I love Tremors, man. I you, but I wish I could say I had any excitement for the Beetlejuice sequel. I do. I, I love I, that I kind of stuff. I think most people do. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't see I a trailer. Don't know. Yeah. Why, you know what? That might change everything for me. Once we see a trailer, because there have been a couple of movies in the last few months that I've gone. You know what? I had no interest in this, but now sign me up. Yeah. Hopefully, the Beetlejuice trailer will do that for me too. All right, what's next? All right, here comes the big one from Andy, giving us sixty nine. Thanks, buddy. Andy, thank you so much. I'm, I'm dreading seeing what a $69 tip is going to ask, but Andy, thank you so much, one man, for generously five. supporting our channel on that level, man. It goes on, too. There's five <laughs> yeah. of them. Oh, my Part God. Part five. If they're not all for $69, don't read it. Okay, that <laughs> no, makes okay. sense. My 29th birthday is tomorrow, <laughs> which is when both Dune 2 and the new Kidman AMC ads come out. Oh, nice. So I feel mixed there. What? I think back to when I was barely 18 and found AMC Movie Talk, and you inspired uh, my love of film since. As I feel scared to enter my final year. Oh, sorry. Next I got, one? Yeah. <laughs> of, of your third, of your of your 20s. <laughs> Of the, here we go. Um, of my 20s, I ease myself by also looking back on the example you've set as a person. You've consistently set a tangible standard to me on what it means to be a decent and principled guy and show me that it's totally normal to be kind, especially as people have gotten more openly awful in the last decade. I did adopt a family for the second time last year oh, with nice. friends and did my best because I also wanted to overwhelm that family with joy. Thank you so much for continuously being a role model to me. Your decency has been a constant for me throughout my adulthood, and I'll continue to carry that as I grow. Also, thanks again for the Batman fan meetup and the pick on my birthday two years ago. I still have that. Uh, pick on my IG and sometimes look at it and think, holy fuck, I can't believe I met this dude. Sorry for this long recap of my life. I shall return to retirement, enjoy my B-Day weekend, and maybe hit the strip club too. LOL. Um, we know you will, Andy. That's what you told us you were doing on your, your birthday last year. We were like, probably on the strip club afterwards. And I was like... Um, Aaron Cummings was like, he's having a great birthday. <laughs> he's having a fabulous birthday. Uh, first of all, Andy, uh, thank you for that. That's uh, extremely kind uh, for you to say. Um, and it's, you know, we, we, we I did an open mic last night. And somebody had written in a, 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 who had been following for a very, very long time. And I reflected for a little bit on the fact that, you know, this past summer marked the 20th anniversary of when I launched my movie website called The Movie Blog, themovieblog.com. It was so early in the game, that domain name was still available. And the website's still there. I don't run it anymore. I, I have, I'm not associated with it anymore whatsoever. But in case you go over there and there's some racist homophobic rants on there, I have nothing to do with the site anymore. Uh, not that it has those on there. I just don't know. But it marked the 20-year anniversary of when I started that. And it's it's really weird because, you know, one of the persons wrote in and said they were just in their early teens, and now they're in their, like, late 20s. They were in their early teens when they started to follow me, now they're in their late 20s. And it just made me really reflective of the the kind of online journey that 
that I have been on, but also realizing how many of you have been on with me. And, you know, last week I recognized your username uh, in a comment. I'm like, oh my God, that was like, that username used to pop up in the comments section of my old blog posts, like back in 2005. So it's it's really amazing that the guys like you have been following for so long and and been on this journey with fellow traveler with me. So thank you so much for that, the kind words and and for supporting us on that level. And have a happy birthday, yeah. uh, maybe with a happy ending, depending on no. where you go for your birthday. So yeah, so <laughs> it was so sweet. But there's well, nothing well, not sweet about that. Sometimes it ends that way. All right, bring the Dune popcorn bucket with you and have a blast. All right, what's next? Freezing. You guys. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Have a blast. Where? In the, you know, that's what the bucket's for. Yeah. All right, moving on, moving on, moving on. Ray oh, loves trench coats. Oh, Ray loves trench coats. <laughs> How do you have a party in space? You plan it. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next? From Cody Hunt, going to see Dune 2 again tonight, just so I can hear Fade mockingly say, may my knife chip and shatter. Butler is so good in this role. Oh, God, he's so good in that role. Um, I mean, the movie is just so good, but it's accentuated. See, here's the thing. We've, we've talked about this before, that a bad movie cannot be made good by a great performance in it. Like, if a, a bad movie is going to be a bad movie, but a good performance can elevate a movie. And this is a great example of that um, in Dune, because not only is it a brilliant script and brilliant directing, the performances, each and every one of them, elevates the material to an even higher level. And Austin Butler, certainly one of those dudes who does that in this movie. All right, what's next? From Brandon, have you guys seen the situation with this bogus Willy Wonka experience in Glasgow? Oh. Yes. <laughs> Please explain. So, okay, there's supposed to be this Willy Wonka experience, and it is the saddest looking thing that has ever happened. It's like another fire fest. Yeah, fire basically. Fest. It's just like, it's supposed to be a, like you're walking into Wonka's factory, and instead it's just like a fold-out table and like one little backdrop, and this girl who looks so depressed with a green wig on and all of the joy has left her forever. It's pretty much like it's, an open cafeteria. Yeah, like from, it's, the from pictures high are school. wild. And then just like three tables with candy. I don't even know if it's yeah, Wonka candy. She's just got like some beakers out and stuff. The most impressive thing in there that I saw was they did have a big Wonka bar, which aren't sold anymore. But other than that, that Wonka bar, uh, that little uh, thing they had hanging down, that, that was the only thing I saw that was interesting in there. So apparently what the, the working theory is, at least, is that they sold this experience by using AI images of what it was going to look like. And then the actuality was just very, very sad. It's like if you let a second grade class try to do a couple Willy Wonka decorations in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> wow. Are you okay. looking at them? They're fabulous. Uh, all right. <laughs> this is my Roman Empire now. <laughs> All right, guys, what's next? <laughs> from uh, Guzman. Oh, wait, sorry. From Christopher Brickner. I'm not the biggest fan of directors trashing other films, but the original Crow director, Alex Prius, should at least wait to see the movie first. You'd think. You'd think that that might be a good idea. I mean, like, look, again, but even if you watch the movie first, which you didn't even do that, it's like one picture, haha, I got to try to bash this to make myself feel better about myself. Like, 
again, if somebody asks you about it, then just be classy. Don't lie and just say, you know what? It, it wasn't for me. Um, but I, I, you know, I wish them all the best and blah, blah, blah. Like just, just have the slightest ounce of class. I, I don't know. I just, eh, whatever. Oh, by the way, I thought I'd bring this up. So somebody just wrote in with the, uh, username Ray H trench coats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, this comes from the story about how a few people tried to set up Ray with this model this absolutely stunning, beautiful model who was interested in me and wanted to meet Ray. And a few people arranged to set it up and she showed up and Ray immediately dismissed the any any idea because she was no. wearing a trench coat. No, no, no. She's trying to solve crime? Look, Was she look. gruff the crime dog? That's exactly look, what he just said. Ray I did when we're out. leaving. Oh, but look, when, when, you yes. know, when you know someone is out of your league, you try to pick on them. But so that's he, was, he was specifically there to meet you. Now, the reason I bring this up. I don't believe that, man. She was, no, that's, she specifically came to meet you. Anyway, I, I told you, this is a picture of her. Um, this is the girl who came because she really wanted to meet Ray. Can I date her? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, and Ray was like. You know, story of my life. What is she? You're trying to solve a murder? Has there been a crime scene here? That, that only came see? after because I was like, yeah, she's she wasn't there to me. She was. Come that's on. the only reason she came. It was the only reason she came. Okay. Because that there's like, dude, Ray, he's so funny and blah. What kind of, anyway? There's that. <laughs> well, let's let's thanks. move on. Thank you for that. <laughs> What's next? From uh, Guzman, Feliz belated birthday, Giosama. Oh, Giosama. Thank you so much. Where did that come from? Giosama. Well, Sama was that, from. Yeah, Sama is like uh, like Lord Tornaga in Shogun. It's uh, Tornaga Sama. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So it's a, I, I guess, I'm not completely sure what it means, but it's an added little thing of respect or it's like, I guess it's like saying sir or whatever. But yes, thank you so much. I appreciate that. What's next? From Raymond Verrata, Cassandra Nova tried to kill Professor X in the womb. Yes, but then Professor X's uh, telekinetic powers protected him, and then she was uh, stillborn and miscarried by the mother. I thought it was him who's sensing her evil decided. Okay, I could be he, wrong like, about chokes that. Like chokes her with her, his umbilical cord or something who, like that. Who, who tried to kill who? Let's let bygones be you bygones. You know, when you're in utero and you're trying <laughs> to murder your twin, stuff happens. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Dominic Suma. I know it's still fresh, but is Dune 2 a better sequel than The Dark Knight? I hate those kinds of, I'm going to be honest with you, I hate those kinds of questions like, okay, that's a good crime movie, but is it better than The Godfather? It's like, um, I, the very fact that it's hard to answer that question is a testament to how good Dune 2 is. So, Look, they're very different movies. Like The Dark Knight and this are very, very different movies. But you know, Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan said this, the the director of The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan said this about Dune 2 the other day. It's The Empire Strikes Back. And, And that's about as high praise as you can give to any sequel ever, right? So Christopher Nolan said of Dune 2, it's the Empire Strikes Back. So I will leave it at that. Uh, say that obviously The Dark Knight is one of the greatest sequels ever, but Christopher Nolan, the director of that, said that this movie is The Empire Strikes Back. All right, what's next? From That Funko Dad, 
Saw Dune 2 on Sunday with my 12-year-old son. We both loved it. This is the first time Timothy Chalamet really impressed me as an actor. He's on a completely different level in this movie. I left the theater with one thought. More people would go to the movies if they made more movies like this. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess, because a lot of people have, actually most people haven't. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you did not see Call Me By Your Name or did not see the beautiful boy that he did with yeah. uh, Steve Carell Steve that he just blew. That's that's the movie for me. Like, yeah, he was great in Call Me By Your Name, but it was Beautiful Boy, which isn't the best movie, but that's the movie for me that made me go, who is this kid? And like, uh, what? when is he in something else after this? Um, even in Bones and All, which I did not think was a good movie. Oh my God, he killed it in that. I thought he was wonderful in um, in Wonka. But he's better than this. Man, there's a scene where he's talking to the War Council of the Fremen. I'm just like, oh, my God. I didn't know he was capable of going to that level. Anyway. All right. What's next? From Captain Kirk, 1978. I'll be almost 60 years old by the time season seven of the new Harry Potter series comes <laughs> out in 2032. 36. Uh, arrives. I was just 20 years old when the first book came out and bought them subsequently. Do you think WB will meet their timeline? I mean, look. There's no reason at all that they can't have a season one ready in two years. I mean, there's no reason they can't. And then there's no reason they can't do a season a year. If it's an eight, 10 episode season, there's no reason they can't do that. So can they? Yes. But let's go, let's flash forward to a year from now and see if there's been any developments. <laughs> because if, you know, if we get to a year away from it and they haven't had any movement, then we can start asking the questions that they can meet their timeline. All right, what's next? From Carmela Smith, news came out that Shang-Chi director Daniel Cretton will be taking on the live-action Naruto movie. I'm very intrigued now. Is this interesting? It's a very popular anime series mm -hmm. um, that running like this got very popular from. Ah, I yeah. see. But the way Flash runs is stupid. I mean, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> All right. What's next? From, oh, that's just me. There we go. I'm in. Did you see the crazy budget for Joker 2? I get they need to pay Phoenix and Gaga a lot, but still, this film doesn't have crazy VFX or anything. There is no way it should be 200 million. Make it make sense, John. Till I see the movie, I can't. I mean, listen, there are, there are some... Look, I have been saying since my movie blog days that one of the biggest problems is Hollywood is they've got to rein in how much they spend on making movies, right? That being said, there are many times when... Movies with really big budgets come out and I look at it and go, I can see the money on the screen. I mean, I, I can see it. There are many times when we can. It's like, this movie cost $140 million to make? What? Where? Where? When you're talking about Joker 2, look, clearly this is going to have huge epic kind of scale. And, you know, visual effects is not always the big thing that costs the most money. I mean, usually it does cost the most money, but when you can have movies that aren't visual effects heavy that do a lot. Yes, the paychecks were going to be higher for the second film. Yes, I think they paid Lady Gaga $12 million. I mean, out of that $200 million, I'm going to guess maybe 15% of the budget is just for Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga. Like, I think 15% of your budget right there is just for those two by themselves. Now, again, so where did the rest of the money go? Until we see the movie, we won't know. We simply won't know. But I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty good looking film. And, and why not? I mean, the last one made a billion dollars. I don't think the second one will make a billion, but it's going to be a huge hit. So I can see where they're going with that. All right, what's next? 
From CJ Rebirth, Dune 2 and the recent Mission Impossible movies, I enjoyed seeing Rebecca Ferguson in, but I also enjoyed her a lot as the villain in Dr. Sleep. That is such an underrated movie. I, I You know, nobody talks about Dr. Sleep anymore. It, it's the, the sequel to The Shining. And uh, that was Ewan McGregor in that yeah. one, right? I thought that was a terrific little film, but nobody gave it the time of day. Like nobody went to go see it and nobody has talked about it. It's not one of the great all-time films or anything like that, but it was a really solid film. And I don't know why it didn't get more attention when it came out. And you're right. Rebecca Ferguson was great in it. She was really good in that. All right, what's next? From Mighty Tank, looks like we get Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill as Batman and Joker one more time in Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 3. Okay. Haven't really been interested in these animated films lately, but I'm glad to hear this iconic voice actor duo once again. I'm not going to lie. I don't have any interest in those animated films. I watched the... Not, uh, not in animated films. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in those animated films. I watched the first uh, part of it. I, I don't know if it was one and one and two, but it, it was pretty good. That's all I can say. But how long ago now did Kevin pass away? Uh, it's been about a year. Okay, so okay, so that's not completely unreasonable that they still got this one coming yeah. out then. Okay, that makes sense. All right, what's next? From Alan Zivka. Hi, Cambia crew. I found out that I can't get the Dune 2 popcorn bucket because I'm a Cinemark member and not AMC. Is the popcorn bucket an AMC exclusive? Yeah, I think listen, so. Listen, 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 listen. As much crap as I give AMC, and they deserve it because they've got a clown for a CEO. Give credit where it's due. That bucket's a stroke of marketing genius. Oh, stroke, stroke. is uh, <laughs> <the right laughs> words. You and your your things there, man. I did not. Uh, I did not mean it as such, but still, uh, it it was that that's marketing genius. That thing because they had to know exactly what it was they were putting out. They had to know people are going to say this is a plastic fleshlight. They had to know, and you know what? It worked. Because when's the last time you saw Saturday Night Live do an entire sketch about a popcorn bucket or any kind of product <laughs> giveaway at a movie? Never. But they did a Saturday Night Live sketch on that freaking flesh worm uh, the, of a popcorn bucket they had to put out. And so you know what? Uh, tip of the hat to them because as ridiculous as it is, I think they intentionally did that to get everybody talking about it. And it's probably going to make them a lot of money. That little move of there. Probably going to make them a lot of money. I got two. <laughs> they offered frosting. Oh, shit. <laughs> Did you notice that? Next to the butter thing? So Lane a- Ford <laughs> says... Um, Lane Ford. Hey, John and crew. I know you don't do ratings anymore, but would Dune 2 be one of your rare 10 out of 10s? Thank Thanks and bring on the filthy. Yeah, I, I don't do scores anymore because everybody interprets scores differently. And I think in my... Up until when I still gave scores and I stopped giving numerical scores or rankings or values like years and years and years ago. But up until when I quit giving scores, I think I had only ever given like eight, 10 out of 10s. Um, but I, I feel safe in saying that, yeah, if I was still one of those people who gave a numerical score to a movie, Dune 2 would be a 10 out of 10. It's... It's not perfect, but no film ever has ever been perfect, but it's as close to perfect as you can get. So, I, yeah, I would probably give it a 10 out of 10. All right, what's next? From Yo Tij, Peacemaker is officially live in the new Mortal Kombat. Please do yourself a favor and look up his intros, fatalities, etc. Oh, we, I t- we talked about this the other day. We talked about it on the show that the, he did this, 
that the trailer for Peacemaker in the new Mortal Kombat, it was really funny. It was really funny. Eagly. It was, it's, it's quite funny. I enjoyed it uh, a, a great deal. And all right, guys. That'll do it for today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Want to remind you guys who are channel members. First of all, thank you for being channel members. We have a town hall meeting at 2 p.m. Los Angeles time. So that's about two hours and 15 minutes from now. Hopefully you guys will come along and join us for that. So for everybody in the room, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico, See ya. Chris Carr. Bye. My name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. Oh, I just wished. I just wished. <laughs>